Hey, if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Genesis 2. We're going to be in Genesis 2 this morning. I see that many of you do have your Bibles this morning, which is awesome. Uh, as Jeff mentioned, uh, today we are wrapping up our sermon series. Uh, it's Labor Day weekend, of course, which is the unofficial uh, end of summer. Uh, and it's also the official end of our sermon series called Good Question. Uh, all summer long, we've been looking at uh, many of your different questions. Questions uh, about the Bible, about uh, faith in Jesus Christ, about God, about the church, uh, about all sorts of things. As uh, you are just uh, reading through God's Word, Genesis through Revelation, things are bubbling to the surface for you. And in honor of uh, Labor Day weekend, I thought it would be appropriate for us to uh, talk a little bit about our labor. Uh, and the question uh, on the table for us this morning is, uh, what does the Bible say about work? What does the Bible say about our day jobs? What does the Bible say about our vocations and how does it, it relate uh, to being a Jesus follower? What does it mean to be a Jesus follower uh, in this world today? And the good news is, uh, God's Word has a lot to us, uh, has a lot to say to us about what it means to be a Jesus follower, about what it means uh, to uh, live and serve in our day jobs. You know, the average American will spend about a third of our life uh, working a job at the office, about a third of our life. That's about 90,000 hours over the course of our life uh, we will be uh, engaged in some sort of work. That's kind of a lot. Uh, according to the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, in the United States, the average American who is working full-time uh, works uh, 44 hours a week. 44 hours a week uh, is what we do. Most of us who, uh, I guess, punch the clock, if you will, uh, Monday through Friday, 44 hours. And you might be wondering, well, how do we compare uh, to uh, people around the world in terms of our average work week? And I think it's always interesting to compare. The United States actually compares uh, 13th uh, in the world, uh, according to the organization, OECD, uh, Organization for Economic Development and Cooperation or something like that. Uh, they say that we rank 13th in the world in terms of how many hours we we work uh, in a year. And of course, you're wondering, well, who are the top 12, right? Maybe I was just wondering as I was preparing for this morning. Uh, well, you might be uh, interested to know of all the countries uh, in the OECD, and it's not all the countries in the world. These are the, some of the most prosperous countries uh, in the world. Uh, but the, the third most hardworking uh, in terms of total number of hours, according to the OECD, uh, is Russia. Uh, Russians spend an awful lot of time uh, at work. Country number two, you're probably not surprised, South Korea. Uh, very industrious uh, folks uh, who spend a lot of time at work. And the number one country, uh, I was actually surprised, uh, in the OECD in terms of total number hours of work uh, in a week on average over the course of the year is Mexico, uh, our brothers and sisters to the south of us. They are the, we might say, even the hardest working or the longest working folks uh, in the work week, um, uh, according to the OECD. Now, of course, the other question, at least I was curious about, is uh, who works the least, right? And you might not be entirely surprised of, of who works the least. Uh, the fewest number of hours uh, in a work week. Uh, so number three is Germany. 
Uh, number two is Norway. And number one, the least working country, in, according to the OECD, is Denmark, right? We just think, okay, slackers in Europe, right? They don't work very much, but they sure do enjoy life. But I just thought that was kind of fun for us to think a little bit about uh, work, get our heads around work. And I wanted to give you guys some time to get to Genesis 2. Everybody in Genesis 2? That's intentional. I kind of, you know, talk a little bit, yak a little bit on the top of the service after I give you uh, the Bible verse on Sunday mornings. Uh, I don't just do that accidentally, uh, but I want to give you some time. And Genesis 2 isn't terribly hard to find, but uh, hopefully you all are there. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an amazing, beautiful day. God, we thank you for uh, the wind that's blowing, the sun that's shining. Uh, God, we even thank you for those geese that are far away, that are uh, fun to look at and just uh, enjoy uh, your creation. God, we thank you uh, for this Labor Day weekend. We thank you for all who are traveling, who are tuning in online, God. Uh, We pray that your Holy Spirit might lead us and guide us. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable, for you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, many years ago, uh, when I was doing youth ministry, we had a young volunteer. Uh, He was straight out of law school, in fact, and uh, I was pretty excited for him uh, because I was uh, one of the youth ministers at the congregation I was at, and uh, he had just graduated from law school. And I was just thrilled uh, about his accomplishments. And so I couldn't wait till Wednesday night in youth group. And when he showed up, uh, I'm like, how was, how was it? What's it like? What's it like having your first big person job? How how was work? How were things just going into the office and, and doing what you have been training to do all these years? And he looked a little bit apathetic and he kind of had this body posture of, uh, whatever, And he looked at me, he said, it's a job. And in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, you just spent seven years of your life, tens of thousands of dollars, probably of your parents' money. You have your entire career ahead of you. And the best you can come up with is it's a job. Well, that's inspiring. Doesn't that just make you want to kind of go, woohoo, I love work. According to a recent uh, Forbes magazine study, they estimate that about half of all Americans are pretty apathetic about their jobs. About 50% of Americans are like, eh, it's a job. I could take it or leave it. And I want to share with you this morning That's not God's plan for our lives on this earth. To go through 90,000 hours of our life, a third of our life, punching the clock with the attitude, it's just a job. Now, the good news is God's word has a lot to say to us about work. I did a word study this week, and uh, the word work shows up 635 times in the Bible. And the word labor shows up another 122 times. 
So according to my estimates, we're somewhere around 750 times that either the word work or labor shows up in the Bible. I was going to do a word study on job, but that's also the same word as Job, right? And that would have just skewed everything, and I wasn't even going to go there. So we're at least at 750 different times that the word labor or work shows up in the Bible. And it's a big deal. And so this morning, we're going to look at the very first passage of Scripture that God comes to us and talks to us a a little bit about what it means to experience work or labor in the world. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, open to Genesis 2. We're going to begin with verse 1. Here we go. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work, I underlined that or circled it, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So the creation story begins three times describing God's work. Verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one around to to work the ground. So three times, God, the, the, the author is describing God's work. And then all of a sudden, we have a dilemma Who's going to take care of this creation that God created in God's work? Verse 6, But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first uh, is the, the Pishon. It's, it winds through the entire land of Hivala, where there is gold. The gold, that is, the land is good. Aromatic uh, resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river uh, is uh, the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. So here we see God working, and then he puts the man, his creation, you and me, in the middle of the garden to work it and to take care of it. Now, like I said, there's about 750 references to work and labor. So there's a lot we could say about work and labor according to the Bible, and we're just going to scratch the surface this morning. And so this morning, I want to give you uh, three different ideas from this particular text about what it means uh, to experience work in our lives today. Three ideas about work. The first idea is work is a blessing. You're like, what? Did I just hear him right? Work is a blessing. 
I know oftentimes we think about work and we think, well, no, work must be some kind of punishment, right? We have to work because we did something wrong. Work is something not that we get to do, but something that we have to do. But this text that I just read to you from Genesis 2, I want to remind you that God put man in the garden to work the land, to take care of it. This was before the fall. This is before Satan came into the world and tempted Adam and Eve. In other words, long before the world was tainted by sin, long before the world uh, fell under the curse of sin, there was a human being in the garden working and taking care of it. Work is a blessing. It's part of God's original design for you and for me and for all of humanity. Now, to be clear, once sin entered the world, work, like everything else in all of God's creation, it became tainted. It became broken. It fell under the curse. And you and I know that work is not always a blessing. It's not always fun. It's not always, woohoo, I get to go to work today. It's not super exciting because even work, like everything else, is under the curse of sin. And as I think about this curse of sin as it impacts our work, it much reflects the attitude of that young man that I encountered many years ago. It's just a job. Just my, my work is such a grind. My work is boring. My work is meaningless. Anybody ever felt that way before? That's the curse. That is sin moving in through your work, through your job, through your labors. That's not work in and of itself, but it's, it's the curse that has come in and impacted and infected our daily lives. And too often I hear this from people. This, is, uh, this lack of enthusiasm, this apathy around work. Oh, I got to go to work. And that is not God's plan. That is not God's design for our lives. Now, the other extreme of, of how sin has impacted us in our attitudes as it relates to work is the other extreme, frankly. It's this attitude that people, uh, and oftentimes guys, seem to fall under this, uh, this, uh, this uh, pattern or idea that work is our identity. We start identifying with this is who I am. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm an engineer. I'm a teacher. I'm an IT guy. This is who I am. And so what we do is we place work above our other identities in life. And as Jesus followers, our primary identity is I'm a child of God. I'm a husband. I'm a dad those really important relationships in our lives. But the curse, as it works its way into our work, that we actually put work above people. How many of you know someone who's put work above their primary relationships? They have put work above God. Hey, they have put work above their family. Don't point at the person you're sitting next to, Right? Because most of us at some point in time have probably been guilty of getting things out of order. This is the curse. 
sin come into the world and impacting us, our minds. So there's two extremes. Either we so lower this idea, this concept of work, that we just denigrate it. Ah, oh, it's work. Or we so elevate it and we, that we identify with it and it becomes our identity. And those are both really unhealthy ways. And what the Bible says is, no, work is meant to be a blessing. It's meant for us to experience in partnership with God, something that God made. Work is not meant to be drudgery. Work is meant to be a blessing. Number two, work is how you care for God's creation, whether you draw a paycheck or not. As we look at the Genesis 2 story, what kind of wages was Adam given for working the garden? Doesn't say. What kind of benefits did Adam get for taking care of God's earth? It's quiet. It's silent about that, right? There's no 401k involved in the original work plan. See, I think for us today, living in the 21st century, when we think of work, we automatically think of a paycheck, right? We oftentimes think that work is something that we do to earn a paycheck. And we have so intermingled the two that we can't hardly think of labor or work aside from a paycheck without some kind of financial tra transaction involved. But in God's original purpose in Genesis 2, there is not this financial arrangement, Today, as we think about work and we think about uh, how economies around the world kind of measure up against one another, there's this idea or this concept of GDP, right? And we know as Americans that we've got the, 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 high, the highest GDP in the world. In 2019, before the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, pandemic that we're, we're going through, the GDP in the United States was almost $23 trillion dollars far above any other nation around the world. And what the GDP, uh, the, the gross domestic product, uh, measures is all the goods and services of a nation. And it's helpful, you know, on our dashboard to kind of understand the health of a country, the health of a people. But the problem when we look at the GDP, all it measures is a goods and services as it relates to money. So those of you uh, who might be uh, parents, uh, uh, you, you are not included in GDP. You are parenting just for fun. Thank you for parenting just for fun. You're not part of that $23 trillion. If you go home and, and make dinner tonight, that's not included. That's not work. If you do the dishes today or tomorrow or the next day, according uh, to the GDP, that's not work. If you volunteer in the community, that's not part of the GDP. If you were an usher here at Faith Lutheran Church, that's not part of the GDP. If you sing on the worship team, that's not part of the GDP. That's, all that's just for fun. See, the GDP, it only uh, measures money according to goods and services. It's only just a snapshot of the health of our society and our economy. But we all know that so much of what we do, we are working, but we're not getting paid for it, right? 
We understand this. And so we need to be reminded over and over that work is what we do. It's part of God's plan, and it's separate from drawing a paycheck or not. Now, about 10 minutes ago, when I, start, I said, we're going to talk about work this morning, some of you were like, oh, he's not talking to me. I'm retired, right? Anybody retired here today? Few of you retired today. I hope you heard that I have just unlet you off the hook as it relates to work and your labor. You may be retired. You may be no longer drawing a check from the farm. But as long as you're breathing, God has called you to work. God has called you to serve in his creation. So if you think the purpose of retirement is to hang up your proverbial hat and go fishing all day long, you have missed the purpose of life. We are called to work all the days of our lives, whether or not we're drawn a paycheck. So how are you working? How are you serving whether or not you are drawing a paycheck? I'll give you just one example from my own life. Uh, over the past a few years, I've had an opportunity to mentor three other younger pastors. And I tell you what, I don't get paid for mentoring these three other younger pastors. I just believe that it's the right thing to do. Faith Lutheran Church will not benefit from my volunteer time for pouring into these three other pastors, one in Peoria, one in Decatur, and one in central Wisconsin. You will not benefit from my work, but it's what God has called me to do. Now, I also thank you for the paycheck that I do receive so that I can serve in this capacity. But I share that with you as an example that whether or not you are drawing a paycheck, there is an expectation on each one of your lives to continue to work and to care for God's creation. Number one, work is a blessing. Number two, work is how you care for God's creation, whether or not you draw a paycheck. And number three, work is not separated into sacred and secular categories. Work is not separated into sacred and separate categories. Now, I hear this all the time from people. My day job is this. I work at this place, blah, blah, blah. But my ministry is on Sunday morning at Faith Lutheran Church. Now, to be clear, your ministry is serving here or Midwest Food Bank or Crisis Nursery or any number of the places where you serve. Um, but there is no distinction in Scripture between secular work and sacred work. In the Genesis 2 story, God is creating the world. In the Genesis 2 story, mankind, humankind, is taking care of it. It's not like, oh, this is uh, godly work, and this is just human work, secular work. There's not this distinction. Somehow in our lives, and maybe in our modern lives, we draw this line between my ministry and the sacred work I do and, and my day job, and, and I just go there uh, to draw a paycheck. There is no distinction between sacred and secular work. So you, some of you, as I, I, I talk to you, people through the years, I hear this language 
If I work at this place five days a week so that I can do what I really want to do on the weekend. Now do the math about on that. Think about that for a moment. You're going to spend 90,000 hours of your life five days a week so you can do what you really want to do. That's pathetic. God did not put us on this earth to spend all that time working, doing secular work, so we can really do what we want to do on the weekend. If that's you, if you are working for the weekend, I grew up in the 80s. Uh, there was a band in the 80s called Loverboy. Anybody uh, remember the 80s? Everybody's working for the weekend. That was really bad, wasn't it, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, okay. That was kind of the theme, right? And that's, that's some of you. That's your life theme. Working for the weekend. Working till I can retire. If that's you, quit your job. That's not God's purpose for your life. To spend all this time doing what you want to do so you've got two days, so you've got a weekend to really do what you want. Quit your job. That is not God's plan for your life. God did not create you remarkably, wonderfully with gifts, skills, talents, and passions so you could just work over here and do the fun stuff over here. If that's you, quit your job and do something else. There is no division between the sacred and the secular. Some of you need to seriously consider quitting your job or need to consider getting a new attitude about your work and who God has called you to be. See, here's the deal. Uh, our family has lived in Bloomington Normal for about eight and a half years now. Nobody from State Farm has ever called me and said, hey, Brian, would you come on over to State Farm and do a Bible study with our employees? That phone call has never happened. Nobody has ever reached out to me uh, from the public schools, elementary, junior high or high school, uh, Illinois State, Illinois Wesleyan, Hartnell Community College. Nobody has ever called me from the school system and said, hey, pastor, would you come on over here and, and, and share with our students and our teachers about Jesus? Nobody has ever called me. Nobody has ever called me in, in the government, in this community and said, hey, we've got a group of government employees and they really need to know about Jesus. Would you come over and share with us about Jesus? That call has not happened in eight and a half years. But here's the deal. Some of you have this little card, this little swipey card, and you walk up to the doors at whatever building it is, you go, Bleep, and the light turns green. You walk through the doors, doors that I have never been invited to uh, enter into. I have never walked into those doors. I hear stories about the food court at State Farm. I can only imagine. Some of you guys have been there, right? I'm not invited. But some of you are. And you go there every day, and your attitude is, well, many years ago, I knew someone who knew someone. I got a job there, and I've been climbing the corporate ladder 27 years later, blah, blah, blah. Maybe God has put you in that place 
so that you can be the light of Jesus Christ. In that office building, in that school building, in that government building, I don't know. I'm not invited, but you are. And so we've got to get rid of this divide between the, the work of God that is sacred and the work of God is secular. It's all God's work. And God has placed each one of you in a particular time, in a particular place to be the light of Jesus Christ and to go places where we professional religious people are not invited to go and to share Jesus with others around you. Martin Luther uh, said it like this. The Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. What you need to do if you work in one of those worlds is to crush your job. Do your job excellently. What does it mean to be a Jesus follower in your daily life? It probably doesn't mean just walking through the office, handing out Bibles or starting to preach at people. But what it means is to do your work excellently. Another quote by a woman by the name of Dorothy Sayers said it this way. No crooked table legs or ill-fitting drawers ever came out of the carpenter shop in Nazareth. Nor if they did, could anyone believe that they were made by the same hand that made heaven and earth. I love that. As I think about the work that Jesus did as a carpenter, he wasn't just putting in his time doing secular work for all those years until he could do his sacred work. His work as a carpenter was sacred work, and he did it excellently. And I think when we do our work excellently, we are bearing witness to who Jesus is. Crush your job. When, to the point where people look at you and go, man, what motivates you? Why do you do such a good job with your work? See, I think if we crush our job, if we do our work excellently, people are going to look at us and go, huh, there's something different about them. Second thing I would encourage you is to care about people in your workplace. Don't just kind of stand out at the, the water cooler and moan and groan and gripe about corporate and, you know, all the people up the ladder. Stay away from those conversations. Focus on the positive. Be engaged the good things that are going on. And most of all, care about your coworkers, those people that you are talking to day in and day out. And some of you are thinking to yourselves, you don't know my coworkers. I know, I don't. But I work with people. I know what people are like. They're not always easy. Crush your job. Work really hard at your job care about people. And when you do, I think those two things, you are bearing witness to the light of Jesus Christ. So in that moment, and I think you're going to get promoted. And as you're moving up, whatever corporate world you are living in, I think at some point in time, you are going to be developing a platform so that at some point in time, each one of you is going to have an opportunity to say, I'm a Christian. And people are not going to cut you off because you have earned 
the right to be heard. Work hard so that others notice and care for those around you. So that's what I've got this morning. Uh, Three thoughts about work as it relates to, uh, especially uh, Genesis 2. I want to close with a story. Uh, Many years ago, it was about 15 years ago, in fact, uh, uh, we were living in another state, and uh, I was invited to go on a mission trip uh, to Nicaragua in Central America. Now, I was new to the congregation, and uh, they wanted to invite the pastor to come along uh, so they get to know the pastor a little bit. And uh, this uh, particular mission trip was a medical mission trip. Most of the folks that uh, we traveled with, I traveled with, were medical people. They were uh, doctors, PAs, pharmacists, kind of, we had a physical therapist, uh, and all that good stuff. And then they have the pastor. They bring along the pastor uh, to be a part of this medical uh, mission team. There were about 20 of us, and uh, one of the guys in our group, I got to know him early on, his name was Zach. And Zach and I, I think, kind of connected because neither of us were medical. Uh, Zach had just graduated uh, about two years earlier from college. Uh, He was what you might call a a frat boy. Uh, He was the guy that uh, had a lot of fun in college. Uh, He was good looking. He was athletic. Um, He had graduated with a a degree in business and kind of went through the whole nine yards going through college. But when Zach got out of college, uh, he continued to party. And he continued to struggle because he had not found his purpose in life. So here's a young man with a college degree, a business degree, and he was kind of fumbling through life. Somehow his parents convinced him to go on this medical trip uh, with me and this other group of folks uh, to Central America, to Nicaragua. And all week long, we traveled around to these remote parts of Nicaragua doing, setting up these medical clinics. We brought 40 suitcases, four zero suitcases filled with medicines, and we would carry these suitcases out to the medical clinics. Uh, and then at the end of the day, we would pick up those 40 uh, suitcases and take them back, and then we'd go to another village. And this went on all week long. In the evening, uh, my role was to do devotions with the team, and then during the day, I would pray uh, with a translator with the folks there in Nicaragua. Well, it's getting to the trip is winding up. Uh, the, the night before we were ready to come back to the States, we're staying at a guest house in Managua. And uh, I did a devotion that night. That's what I did. And uh, that, that evening, I did a devotion uh, on uh, Holy Week and how Jesus came into Jerusalem to uh, be arrested and hang on a cross to die. And, uh, and, and you know the story, right? That was my devotion. I can't remember all the details of it. I will tell you, I was very tired that week. Uh, I just kind of wanted to get to bed and uh, get on a plane the next day and go back to Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, and all of a sudden I hear, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, Zach, is that you? He's like, yeah. I'm like, Zach, how can you be awake still? Aren't you tired? And Zach just had this laugh going on. Just this this laugh, this uncontrollable laugh. He couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, Zach, what is going on? He's like, Brian, I'm the donkey. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm the donkey. I'm like, Zach, I have no idea what you're talking about. He said, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he rode on the back of a donkey. 
He said, Brian, all week long, all I've been doing is schlepping these heavy suitcases from medical clinic to next medical clinic. And it was just pure physical labor. And most of the week, I felt completely worthless because I wasn't doing anything. He said, but I get it now. I was the donkey. I had an important role to fill on this mission team. Most of our medical team was not big and strapping like Zach. But in that moment, he discovered his purpose for work. The past 14 years, uh, Zach has been uh, working, serving at a Christian nonprofit called Goshen Valley Boys Ranch. And it's a, it's a residential program for 40 teenage boys who live in the North Georgia mountains who've gone through the foster care system, who really have no home. And through this program, Goshen Valley Boys Ranch, these young men are raised into Christian men so that they can go out and serve in the world. In the past few years, Zach has been uh, serving as the CEO of the Goshen Valley Foundation, the fundraising arm of Goshen Valley Boys Ranch. See, what Zach discovered in his purpose, in his work, that it didn't need to be glitzy, it didn't need to be glamorous, he just needed to have the right attitude to serve God and to serve in the world. And so on this Labor Day weekend, I want to ask you, how's your attitude as it relates to work? Is work something you just do five days a week? So you can live for the weekend? Is something, is work just that idea of what you do uh, during your, your regular business hours, but your real ministry is at church or at the food bank? How does work operate in your life? And how can you be inviting the Bible, God's word, to speak to you and to be reminded that everything you do in this life has meaning and purpose. The labors that you do in caring for God's creation is part of God's plan. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word, that it speaks not to just things that are supernatural and spiritual, things that are uh, like out there, but things that are very tangible and concrete in our daily lives. Things like work. And God, because we spend so much time on this earth working, we pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us, God, to have better attitudes about our labors, about our jobs, about our work. Because, God, I believe that you've placed each one of us in just the right place, in just the right time to bear witness to you. So, Lord, as we think about work, not about a paycheck, but how we are serving in this world, lead us and guide us, God. Transform us and renew us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.